could have seen your faces. You did not know what to do with yourselves. Yes, you are at church. Now, this is Substance Church. I know some of you are here for the first time because of the incredible weekend that we had with our Christmas services. If this is your first time, thank you so much for rejoining us. Um, and I'll just take a moment to say what an incredible job uh, that the production team did, the musicians, uh, Pastor Peter, the people that were out. Oh, no, I'm not done. Y'all can hold up. I'm not done yet. We got parking lot folks. We got kids workers. We got people that made that train. And Pastor and Peter and Carolyn, man, this is an incredible season for substance. And if this is your first time, I want to say thank you. I want to welcome our downtown campus. That's where I go. If you're like, who is this dude? My name is Paul Herkman. I attend the downtown campus. I'm on the teaching team. On behalf of Pastor Peter and Carolyn, I want to welcome our downtown campus, our west side campus, Monterey, and right here in Northtown. This is how we do the new year at Substance. Some of you are still, I get it, some of you are still concerned. You're like, what's going on with that dude? Let me just help you out here, okay? First of all, that song was by Kanye West, his Christian album. It, the song was called Follow God, so, you know, and the, the ice skater is a pastor, so basically that, he was, for real, it wasn't Chad King. Um, <laughs> So basically, that video could have been produced by Kirk Cameron. It could have been a new video dropped by Maverick City Music. You just don't know. But uh, I, in baseball, there's a term called the walk-up song. And the walk-up song is a song, it, it actually started in the 1970s, the uh, Chicago White Sox. There was an organist that would start playing special music for people that came up. And it was supposed to represent the individual player's personality as well as get the crowd going and get the player in the right mindset for what they were about to do. That video for me has been my walk-up song into the new year for the last couple of months, or the last couple of years. There is something about that video that I'm just like, that's how I wanna go into the new year. That's the mindset that I wanna have. I just kinda wanna do this. <laughs> you know, I just, there is something about uh, that. It's a little bit self-deprecating humor. It's a little bit of swagger. It's a little bit of, um, you know, uh, well, so for those of you who are listening, who are from the bold north, you understand our relationship with weather. Uh, and especially in the winter time when it's really cold, you have two options. You can either let the weather do this to you or you can kind of face the weather. It's like eat or be eaten. I had a... Um, a buddy of mine, uh, we graduated from college about the same time, and right after college, we, we lived together. We had a job at the same place, downtown Minneapolis, and, and I can remember one particular morning where we were walking to work, and it was below zero, and we had our parkas on, and we were hunched over like this, and I can remember looking out of the side of my eye and going, dude looks so weak like that. And so without saying anything, I just kind of straightened my posture and did this. And him, without saying anything, he straightened his posture. And then without saying anything, I dropped my hood. And he, then he dropped his hood. And then he unzipped his coat, and I unzipped my coat. And literally by the time three blocks later when we were at work, we were bare-chested and below zero. And this, <laughs> this is how I want to enter the new year. With that kind of mindset that says, if, the, if it's going to be eat or be eaten, I, no matter what happened in 2023, I want to approach it with a mindset that says, with boldness, I am going to attack. I'm going to be in the right mindset for the job that's set before me. And so whatever you are bringing with you from 2023, whatever you've gone through, 
I can tell you this, that 2024, you can approach it with hope. Over the last 12 Christmas services, we've invited people to share some of their prayer requests. And I will tell you what we have read has been some of the most dire situations going on. And you are in the right place because there is hope in Christ and there is hope for your new year. And it's this kind of bold, this kind of posture. I'm just going to preach like this. It's this kind of posture heading into the new year that the writer in Philippians also writes, going through a situation, he kind of has that posture. He knew Kanye was coming up. And he, he writes in Philippians with a mindset that helped him navigate his situation. And I think it brings insight into how we can head into 2024. And so I'm gonna read, starting with verse number three, Philippians one, verse three, and then we're gonna jump down to 12. And you can follow with me, scrolling through your phone, through your Bible, or on the screen. And here's what Paul says as he talks about the right mindset heading into this new year. I thank my God for every reminder of you. In every prayer of mine for all of you, I've always made my requests with joy due to your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we're going to jump down to 12. But I want you to know, brothers, that the thing which has happened to me... Let me start that again. But I want you to know, brothers, that the things which have happened to me have resulted in advancing the gospel so that my imprisonment in Christ have become known throughout the entire palace guard and to all the rest. And a great many of the brothers in the Lord, having become confident because of my incarcerations, have dared to speak the word without fear. Some indeed are preaching Christ out of envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ out of contention, not sincerely intending to add trouble to my circumstance, but the latter preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Indeed, I will rejoice. Now I understand the mindset that Paul, the writer of this, writing to Philippians, and understand the beauty of the mindset that he has, the mindset that we can have heading into the new year. It's helpful to understand the context for which he's writing. Paul's writing from prison. He's been in prison three times, and he's writing, and in the midst of it, he's writing, and he's got this message bubbling up inside of him. Now, now I've never been in prison, but if I have been in prison, I'm hoping that I'm in prison. I'm not hoping I'm in prison, but if I'm going to be in prison, it better be for the right reasons. I better have broken a law or hurt somebody or something. But in this case, Paul didn't do those things. He's not like predatory pre Pete or prison Mike. He's simply in prison for his beliefs. And yet in the midst of it, if it's me, if I'm in prison, wrongfully in prison for my beliefs, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be stressed. And if you get a letter from me, you're going to hear about all of those things because there's this justice side of me that says, this is not fair. And yet somewhere in here, Paul, he says something else. He has a different mindset. In fact, what he says in the verses that we just read, he's like, I have joy. And I rejoice. It's the tone that he writes this message with. It's like the mindset. It's his walk-up song. He says, here's how I'm handling this. I'm handling it because of joy. Now, when I read that, 
I have a hard time with that because joy to me, um, I think I just gloss over it sometimes. I think I have too small of a view of what joy is. I think that sometimes joy is just about a certain season or a certain kind of person. But here, here Paul is saying, no, this kind of joy this kind of joy helps me navigate everything that I'm going through. In fact, he's so emphatic about it in the book of Philippians that he ends up talking about joy 16 different times. And so I start paying attention. Okay, this must be different than what I think. It must be other than what I think. And so what, what is he talking about when, when he says joy? And it, he's, joy uh, in, the, in the Second Testament is talked about 68 different times, and that's in comparison to a similar term that we would use, happy is only talked about four times. And, and happy, understandably so, that's a good thing. It's great to be happy. Pharrell says we should be happy. It's great, but uh, happy is, uh, is connected to external circumstance. It's an emotion that we get based on external circumstance where kara, the Greek for joy, is an internal sense of well-being connected to a spiritual reality. So one of them is, hey, what's going on out here and how do I emotionally respond? And the other one is something deep inside of us. How do I navigate what's going on with a level of hope and consistency? And I look at that, I'm like, I want that. That sounds good because I know if you're like me, 2023 might not have been easy. There might have been pockets, medical situations or financial situations, familial situations, job stuff. Maybe your team isn't doing as well as it is. Maybe you've got all your eggs in one basket because one team's playing another team later tonight. And what, anyway, I digress. Go pack. Um, let's just have a... Let's just have a moment of silence. You can intercede for your team. No. But I, I know that I, walking into 2024 or skating into 2024, in order to have this kind of swagger and posture, I need a new mindset. And if joy really is this thing that can help us navigate any season that we are in, then for me, I've just had to start meditating on it. And I've been thinking about joy quite a bit. And I'll be honest, y'all are about to listen to the most hypocritical thoughts that I have had because joy has been so difficult for me. And so I'm not coming here as an expert by any stretch. I'm coming here as a fellow journeyer, a fellow sojourner that deeply wants a, a healthier mindset moving into 2024. And if, if the Bible is what we believe it is, then this idea of joy is something that we need to pay attention to. And so I'm just going to simply share three of these snapshots, these musings, these thoughts that I've had about joy, if indeed it can help Paul navigate prison, if indeed it's written about 68 times and it is this internal sense of well-being, if in this moment I ask you, how is your inner sense of well-being? What is your mindset heading into 2024? Maybe you would consider joy as we move forward. So here's my first snapshot as I've been thinking about joy. Snapshot number one, big joy. So I've got a problem in how I see joy. I think I see it way too small. I consider joy as part of a certain season, the Christmas season, you know, joy to the world, or joy as a kind of person. We all know that person, that kind of extroverted, super spiritual person. Nothing wrong with you. Sometimes it's a bit much, but there's that, that kind of person, Jonna. Um, anyway... Uh, <laughs> 
no, no, it's, it's great. Or, or maybe it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit as we see in Galatians. We, but it's all these kind of limiting understandings. And, and to me, as I've tried to meditate or better understand joy as one of the, the life sources for what I'm going to need moving forward, is I think joy is kind of like the Grand Canyon. And if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, then you understand everything leading up to the Grand Canyon is just a conversation. It's like, yeah, you can see pictures, and yeah, you can have somebody tell you about it, but I remember the first time I went to the Grand Canyon, I was like, holy, a word that you just can't say, and, but I'm sure it was very spiritual, but this, it blew, it really blew my mind. I was like, oh, this is different. My brain didn't have a bucket for this thing. This thing is majestic, it's beautiful. And this is what Paul's talking about with joy. Both to the Philippians, this, this group of Christ followers in the, in the city of Philippi, and to us in this moment, wherever you are at, that this kind of joy, it's, it's a lot bigger. And one of the reasons why maybe we shrink what joy actually is is because we have this thing in Western mindset called dualism or duality. And that is that everything has kind of an opposite. So good has the opposite of bad and happy has the opposite of sad and right has the opposite of wrong. And so we think in terms of joy that joy is the opposite of, let's say, pain or joy is the opposite of agony or sorrow. And yet when we look at what Paul's talking about, Paul's sitting here going, I have joy in the midst of this agony, in the midst of this sorrow, because don't get me wrong, he's not like, ooh, I'm in jail, this is awesome, you know, I don't think he is anyway. I mean, he's in jail and he's wrongfully imprisoned by how I read this context, and, and so I, I think there would be some anxiety, some stress, some loneliness. I think all of those things can happen, so joy might not be the absence of those things, it might not cause those things to vanish or be vanquished, but maybe it's big. And maybe it has room for those things. Maybe joy isn't just how you feel in a moment or based on a circumstance, but it's something wholly other. And this isn't just my idea. If you, if you look in, in James, James echoes this thought. In James 1, he says, consider it all joy when you face trials. Consider it all joy when you face trials. I know in our faith community, I know in my small group, I know in the people closest to me that are part of the substance community, we have deep medical situations, deep family situations, deep financial situations. And what if it's not, oh, things are going bad, you can't have joy, but what if joy is the mindset that helps you? What if it's big enough to hold all of this? Ecclesiastes makes a connection between toil and joy. Hebrews, it says, but for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Now that blows my mind. Joy and being murdered. I don't know if I can get there yet, but what I do know is joy is bigger than I think. Joy is something that is wholly other. And joy as a mindset can help navigate wherever you are at. It is not asking you to ignore the season that you are in but it is providing inner well-being for you to navigate exactly where you are towards the kingdom. And so, for me, if joy is truly bigger than we think, and it's certainly bigger than what I think, and if it's better than what you think, then how come sometimes it just feels like it comes and goes? It feels like a fairly fickle fruit, but maybe it's not the joy coming and going. Maybe 
It's something happening in, in the faucet or the spigot that's just getting a little bit clogged, and maybe it's something that we're doing. So I, I, I started thinking about this second snapshot, and this is not a theological snapshot. This is just a, a Paul thinking about joy snapshot, but I think that I need to be focusing on rejoy. So not only do I need to understand big joy, that it's big enough to hold all of the things that we're going through, but also then rejoy because sometimes it feels like I'm far from joy when it's right there. And so I have to figure out what does it take for me to see it, to re-see it, to unclog that spigot so that joy, this force, this Grand Canyon force moves through me. So I'm going to give you three A's. For those of you who need a little bit of alliteration, you're not down with Kanye, you're not down with a, you know, a bare-chested dude like this, you need some solid KGV and three-point alliteration, here are three, three A's that you may consider so that you don't just go, oh, that message on joy was fine, but three A's that you may utilize in your own life as you head into 2024, and dare I say, maybe even in 2023 before you head into the new year. You can consider these. And, and the first one, the first one is apology. An apology for, for me is, uh, well, it's one of the most difficult things. Like I said, this is a very hypocritical message, or, or I guess we would say very transparent message. Um, I have a really hard time apologizing. I don't know if it's because I'm a guy. I don't know if it's because of how I was raised. I don't know if it's because I'm right more, than often, more often than I think. Um, <laughs> But apologizing is a huge way that we can rejoy, that we can reconnect with our joy. And here's why. Every kingdom principle is based in relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And so one of the strategies for us to be out of sync with this beautiful kingdom that offers us something so beautifully powerful and mystical as joy is for us to be out of relationship with other people. And that's not just my idea. Our joy is connected to our relationship with other people in Philippians 2, the next chapter over. Paul says that he employs or uh, asks the church in Philippians to help make his joy complete. There is a relationship between who and how we connect with other people, and how we understand joy. And so to apologize then is to restore relationship. In John 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples, and it's the last prayer, it's the magnum opus, it's the last thing that he's about to say, and here's what he says over the disciples. He goes, I pray that you would be in unity. And so if that's the most important thing, then it would be critical that when we are not in unity, when relationships are broken, that we would step forward and to apologize, dads, to apologize. Um, one of the hardest things about doing a message like this is you put a microscope on your life and you begin to see and all of a sudden how great you are at this or how not great you are at this. Enter my kids. We call them the joy of our life. And we either redefine joy or we're lying. <laughs> so over the holidays, um, maybe your kids are the exception, but the holidays minus opening the gifts aren't a great time for kids. Between lack of sleep and sugar and order, my kids, you know, were kids. And um, at one point, one of my kids, man, she was yelling so loud. 
And I don't know if this is a good parenting technique, but sometimes Candace and I just look at each other and go, let's see where this goes. And she's in a different level, and she is yelling so loud that I promise you I thought she was going to lose her voice. And then I walk up there, and I talk to her, and I'm like, hey, sweet girl, you know, that's not a great tool to have yelling. Um, you need to seek to repair with your sibling. It's a great moment. I'm an incredible parent. Um, <laughs> Less than 50 minutes later, I'm back up in that room yelling at her. I'm sorry that that causes you all some consternation about the guy on stage, but I was not proud in this moment. And I was raising my voice at her, and I can hear myself yelling, going, you're a piece of trash, Paul. You just told her not to do this. And so I literally had to remove myself from the situation. I actually go to the trailhead, um, uh, my local park, and, and I'm like, I'm just going to go and kind of, I, I was actually working on the message. So I open up my laptop to start typing about joy. And I'm like, I can't. I'm a hypocrite. I can't, I can't barely type anything, so I close the laptop. I go back to my house, and I'm like, sweet girl, I'm so sorry. Dad made a mistake. Side note, one of my favorite things that Pastor Peter does from this stage is he talks about how he apologizes to his kids when he gets it wrong. Moms, dads, roommates, man, what the power that we have when we apologize when we get it wrong. Because we're not perfect. We... <laughs> We're finite beings that are broken. And yet here is this opportunity where we can apologize to restore the relationship. And you know what? It's like it unplugged the joy spigot and joy just entered back into our house. And then there's accountability. Uh, accountability means a lot of things to a lot of different people. If you grew up in the tradition that I grew up in, accountability was one guy saying to another guy, you know, watch where your eyes go. And that's an important kind of accountability. But accountability is a lot bigger than that. Accountability is simply being in relationship and, and having someone know you well enough to know, hey, how is your life going and is it looking like what we read in the book? One of the things that I love is you can't go more than two or three weeks without the encouragement. One of our core missional statements is that we have four to seven friends. Small groups are starting in January. You should sign up for them. I've got, I've got my small group. I hope you do. But, but being accountable to a group of people that not only are going, hey, are you sinning, but might go, hey, you're getting a little crusty. Got to let them in for that. The other day I was sitting on the couch with my wife and um, there are two kinds of people in the world. People that group text and people who are smart. <laughs> I'm smart. I hate group texts. The moment you enter a group text, you got to answer like every group text. And people, I don't know, people who do group texts, do you not have a job? Do you not parent? Or do you just sit and respond with laughing emojis at everything everybody does? Do you just scroll to try to find the right me? I don't understand. So my wife is, we're sitting on the couch, and my wife's like, can you please just respond to the group text? Because it was one of my buddies who was inviting us over and doing a whole bunch of kind things. She's like, could you just respond? I'm like, I'm not going to respond. You know me. I'm not the group text guy. She goes, wow. You talk about your friends getting older and crabbier. <laughs> she wasn't judging me. She was holding me accountable. Really, it was, it was a little bit in jest, but I thought about that. I'm like, hey, you know me better than anybody else. And am I going to let a voice come into my life to tell me, hey, which direction am I going? Am I heading towards a more whole and healthy life? Or am I heading in the other direction to just become a cranky, depleted version of who God has created me to be? There's beauty in being accountable. There's beauty in being a part 
of helping each other make our joy complete. You cannot be somebody who is marked by joy without other people. It's why we talk about coming here in this place, whether you're here or downtown or Westside or Monterey, it's in your small groups, it's in these places where we can come together and be known as a group of people whose joy is complete. Which brings me to my third A, you can apologize, you can be accountable, and my third one is you can have angst. And that might seem like an oxymoron, like what does angst have to do with joy, but there is a, a Dylan Thomas poem that I think about all the time, do not go gently into that good night. And then he goes on to say, rage, rage against the dying of light. For us to be people of joy as we head into 2024, for us to walk in like this with our shirt open, proverbially, and our Bermuda shorts on, we have to have a level of kind of angst. Like, I'm going to fight against being crabby. I'm going to fight against letting the external circumstance define who I am. I'm going to fight. I'm going to let the reality inform me of what's going on, but I am going to have this inner well-being, this big grand canyon drive who I am and at the same time whisper hope. Joy is big. Big joy. Rejoy. It brings me to my third, and this is my favorite kind of joy. Defiant joy. Because sometimes, you know, I think one of the problems that I had with joy is I felt like it was just for, you know, a certain kind of person that's a little bit demure and a little bit kind and a little bit this. And I, 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 want, I, I like to think I have a little bit of an edge. I want to have a little bit of an edge. And, and there's this phrase, defiant joy. The, uh, the organization I work with, Venture, one of the missional partners here at Substance, we work in some of the toughest places on the planet, places where it's literally illegal to share the gospel. In fact, this last year, we had double-digit people that were imprisoned, tortured, beaten, stuff stolen simply for sharing the gospel. So when I read in Philippians about Paul being in prison, I'm like, I have a picture of that because these people are just like Paul. They, they're actually, you, you can't believe it because they're so full of joy. The very people that are put in jail, that things unfair are happening to them, are navigating it with, with a kind of joy and a grace that I just don't understand. Sometimes we read scripture and we go, oh, Paul's just like superhuman. He's awesome. Whenever you hear of a character in scripture or you read and you're like, they're like superhuman, they're awesome. No, the story is not about how awesome they are. The story is about how some biblical principle that's available to all of us is shining through them. And so the joy that you see in Paul or the joy that I see in the, the 15 people that were jailed, that joy that drives them, that's available to all of us as we head into 2024. And so Raju, I've, I've shared his story uh, when I have uh, taught in the past, but Raju is a, a gentleman who um, lives in Nepal and he started a church and then he found out that some of the people that he was sharing the gospel with lived in communities were up to, at that time, 70% of the girls were being trafficked. And so he started a, a safe home and then he started another safe home and then he started a school for these girls. And um, there was so much momentum. And, but with all of this, he started getting accusations. People started threatening himself uh, personally, his physical well-being. They started attacking his character. They started saying defaming things about him. 
And he just kept going. He kept going in such a way that there were times where as he tried to fund all of the things that he felt like God was calling him to do, like he didn't take a salary for months at a time. People are attacking his character. And yet he always has this, this smile on his face. And I remember asking Raju, brother, brother, why do you always have joy? And he said, in the face of tragedy, joy is our defiance. In the face of tragedy, joy is an act of defiance. And from that, one of Venture's 10 core values is defiant joy because we believe that this reflects what we see in Scripture. And it's not that everybody's bad and we're going to beat them all up, but it's this idea that we have something flowing through us, this fruit of the Spirit, this thing that we have that goes through us that doesn't ignore everything going on around. It's big enough to hold all of it, but it also informs us that our posture can be different, that we can be like this in the face of tragedy. And because of that mentality, and it's not just Raju, it's so many other people. Raju, just this last year, it, it's really remarkable what Raju's been able to do. Over the last seven years, Raju's been responsible for more than a thousand girls finding safety and rescued from trafficking. Uh, and one of the survivors, the, the young woman in the photo, her name's Hannah. She's one of the survivors. She started her own women empowerment organization. And just this last year, she's trained 45,000 women in feminine hygiene. She started an endowment for 37 women to have access to whatever education or vocational training. She herself has gone into brothels and she has rescued 53 girls just this last year. Now she has been threatened, she's been beaten, her property has been burnt up, but she has this kind of defiant joy that helps her. She, was, she went into a brothel and she started a church. She went into a jail and she started a church and she said, I might not be able to take everybody out, but I can bring the gospel in. In one of the villages where Raju and Hannah teamed up together, that community went from 90% of the girls being trafficked to zero trafficking, the brothel being shut down, and a church being established. This is what defiant joy looks like. And in the midst of all of that, Raju began to have a passion to plant churches because just like our connection at Substance with ARC, the Association of Related Churches and Planting Churches here, we believe that churches are the greatest source of community and personal transformation. And Raju and his team just this year have planted 3,000 new churches in places that have never heard the name of Jesus. So then we come all the way back to this idea of joy. What if he didn't have defiant joy? What if he didn't have, see that in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of medical situations, in the midst of financial situations, in the midst of you feeling alone right now, that you are offered joy. That joy is big enough to hold all of it. That when we feel like we can't find joy, there are steps to rejoy that you were called to live a life of defiant joy as we head into 2023, as we head into 2024 and out of 2023. Maybe you would uh, consider you have a, a few hours left on what it looks like for you to leave one year and enter the another year and what it looks like for us to head into it with the right mindset. What's your walk-up song gonna be? 
Mine's going to be joy. Now, I look on Instagram and uh, I think one of the trends are like, what's your word? They just say, what's your word? I'm like, what, what do you mean, what's my word? People picking a word for the year. It's like the new thing instead of what's your New Year's resolution. It's what's your word for the year. And maybe if you don't have a year, maybe you would, maybe you'd just adopt this one, joy. I've got it on, I've got it on good, uh, Scripture clearly tells us that joy is the lifeline that you've been looking for. It's not just a fruit. It's not just an apple. It's not just this side thing that we use. It's the Grand Canyon. It's something big. It's something that we have access to, and it gives us the opportunity to walk into this next year with a new posture. And that's my prayer for you as our campus pastors are about to come up and tell us where we're going next. I just want to pray for y'all, including myself, chief among sinners, or at least chief among people that need joy in my life. My kids, my wife need me to have joy. Your roommates need you to have joy. Your coworkers need you to have joy, not because joy makes you the happy person. You know, you might not be the happy person all the time, but because joy is this thing that drives us anchors our inner well-being. And then just like Raju and Hannah, joy draws all people to the kingdom. I don't know what you're going through. I know those prayer requests that we receive, if you're one of those people, it's a lot. You may have had a great year or a difficult year, but joy is available to everybody. And my prayer for you is that the God of the universe would reveal the bigness of the joy that is available, that you would walk into 2024 with greater inner well-being than you did in 2023, and that you would be part of a community that would help make your joy complete for his kingdom come and his will to be done. Amen.